Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Black Pill Podcast. Um, I'm your host, OBJ, and we're here with a special guest here tonight. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, so on Instagram, I go by Astrology. My real name is Asia. I'm a behavior analyst. I started modeling about two years ago and just starting to do more things to express my creativity overall. Hey, dope. Hey, dope, dope, dope. Welcome to the Lifefield Podcast. Uh, so there's Thank a you. podcast where, you know, of course, of course, there's a podcast where Black creators are faced with a dose of reality. Uh, that's pretty much the tagline. And today's Lifefield topic is individual and social behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. A has a experience as being a behavior analysis, so I kind of want to dive in more into that topic and discussion of how behavior is impacted on an individual level and also on a social level, and how how is that that look like from your experience and then you know interacting with you know whether it's kids, creatives, uh, more so creatives because that's where our mainly my target audience is is like Black creatives in our community and especially around our Black culture. So um, just before we get into that, um, just to get people like a little bit of an insight, how did you get yourself into behavior analysis? Like what, what you got, what got you into it and what got you interested in being a behavior analysis? Um, I knew I wanted to do something to help people. The first thing mm-hmm. I wanted to be was a doctor. Um, I went okay. to school. I got a full scholarship to be a pharmacist and that did not work out. I hated chemistry. I didn't <laughs> like math. Um, but being in the pharmaceutical line got me into psychology because psychiatric Mm. drugs and psychology go hand in hand. So when I was trying to figure out what type of psychology I wanted to do, um, that's how I got into behavior analysis because it's a way of changing behaviors without using medicine. So Mm. it's what you can do or what the individual can do with the help of less drugs or ideally no drugs oh so it was more in like the drug pharmaceutical route. i thought it was just more in like you know just behavior and in, 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 in like maybe different areas because like when i was like mm-hmm. doing my research about it um i think there's like probably like three branches of it which is um conceptual environmental and um there was something else wait i have it right here I want to clap myself. No, applied, experimental, and conceptual. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard about those. Yeah, so those. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it can branch in anywhere. Like when you call it like, you know, if you're in a school environment, you know, it could be maybe in a hospital or anything like that. You're kind of observing the different behaviors, how you want it to either apply it or look at it from an experimental, you know, experimental lens or maybe a conceptual, mm-hmm. theoretical, theoretical, like theoretical lens. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, what is more of those three benches that you usually utilize when you enter that, enter that space of behavior analysis? All three. <laughs> All the three? Thing about, the other thing about behaviors is that it's, it's forever changing. Um, mm. People, even like when people drive, you're, you never think about it, but you're always multitasking. Simultaneously, mm. you're listening to music. You're driving, you're following directions, either if it's from muscle memory or you're following your GPS. And mm-hmm. that's that's all in how you behave. And then on top of that, it's emotionally driven. How do you feel when mm-hmm. you drive? So the applied, you said can um, you said applied, experimental. Uh, experimental. The one? The conceptual. 
and conceptual. So yeah. the concept is just what supports what's applied. Applied is what's, what are you doing? Then the scientific mm-hmm. part is what's supported by scientific evidence. So you use all mm-hmm. three. Because yeah, I can't I, just go in and change stuff and it's not supported by anything. Yeah. Because then you just you just doing anything. <laughs> you just can't do yeah. whatever to people. Yeah, no, no, no. I feel you, I feel you. Because like I'm thinking like, you know, back in like my school days, I think about chemistry and you think about like what the hypothesis theory and everything like that. So you kinda like uh, apply it in that way, but in more in a humanistic level, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what has been the like challenge for you as being a behavior analysis? What are like the common occurrences that you see uh when you're dealing with uh what do you call them like clients or anything like that or just kind of observing the area or, you know, circumstances? What is the common theme that you kind of see? Um, common theme is the concept of people coming, like they're broken and they need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're broken and you need to be fixed. It's that mm-hmm. you have a behavior that's not working for you. Whatever it mm-hmm. is, it's impacting your life in a way that you want to change it. All mm-hmm. you have to do is just change the behavior. So you kind of take, you kind of, not not to say you subtract yourself out of it, but you you view the behavior as its own entity. It doesn't necessarily okay. make you a bad person. It's just you're behaving in a way that isn't ideal. Mm. So it's kind of just reframing how people view what their actions are is is mm. always a challenge. People are like, no, I'm fucked up. And it's like, you might be, but it's not because you drink. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just the way you said it. It's just the way you said it. Mm-hmm. But like, I want to challenge you on that because it's like, all right, okay. how do you, how do you make the, not make, but how do you evaluate the distinction of what's ideal behavior compared to like, you know, somebody who's just behaving in a way, but just kind of like having to, maybe face the consequence of those behaviors or probably maybe taking the time or pace to adjust to whatever environment that they're in and things like that. So what, what makes the, the, what, how do you evaluate the distinction of behavior that's ideal or that it's good or moral or things of that, you know, things of that nature? I mean, we all, like, we all have like rules that we have to abide by, by society that's mm-hmm. not really what my concern is unless it's something really bad, like the obvious things when it comes to like the criminal justice system. But when I say mm-hmm. like ideal behavior, um, usually is, is it like, is the behavior keeping you from doing something that would make you more productive or mm-hmm. so it really all falls on what the client wants or okay. in the case of if it's like a mandated client, like by the justice system, is it a mm-hmm. behavior that is withholding you from doing what you want to do in society? So that's what makes it ideal. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people want to stop smoking weed. Honestly, I don't think smoking weed is that big of a deal. But <laughs> if it's if you're smoking weed to the point of you, you, you're not going to work, you want to stay in bed all day, it makes you mm-hmm. lethargic, it, you, you smoke a lot of weed because you feel depressed and you feel unhappy, so it goes mm-hmm. back to the weed smoking. Let's mm-hmm. change. Let's change those behaviors. It might not mm-hmm. be because of the the weed smoking specifically, but people always mm-hmm. try to blame it on a substance first. Mm. And what would you say is 
the the age, like I guess discrepancy, the age differences of people that you work with. Uh, what are the, you know, is behavior more troublesome or, or reoccurring with more of the younger audience, the older audience, or things of that nature? Like, how what's the distinction of like, you know, you dealing with younger clients or whoever that may be compared to maybe older ones? Um, I prefer younger clients. And <laughs> in, my opinion, in my yeah. opinion, um, children are, are naturally a little more open because okay. usually a younger client might have a little less trauma. A younger client is more inclined to learn a new skill. So it really mm. just depends on how open whoever I'm working with is. Really, how any therapy works, it's only going to benefit if you really want it to work. If you mm. really want to put in the work for you to work. So mm. with kids, or a lot of the kids I work with, a lot of kids want to do well. Like, honestly, mm. like the core of kids is that they, they, they want to make people happy, whoever that might be. Mom, dad, they, they want to make that person proud. Or mm. even sense of self. They want them themselves feel proud of something. Uh, mm. Adults, they kind of have a you can't treat uh you can't teach an old dog new tricks mentality or something mm, yeah. really open and they're like yo like this isn't working for me i'm i'm tired i'm ready to try something different so when i have a client mm. like that like they're like like let's, let's let's just do it whatever you're suggesting i'm willing to give it a try mm. that's when it's going to be successful yeah but so those me, are like usually kids <laughs> yeah usually kids are easier for me yeah, because yeah, I because what I was thinking about with like you know older clients or older adults is like you know like you said those are who are stuck in their ways and you know who maybe be stubborn and maybe just don't want to be open to learning and like you know so I'm just thinking like okay what you're inviting into these spaces like are you going to still take on that same route and behavior and um, those who are just more more willing to 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 be open but if you had to give like maybe a percentage of those older adults you know we'll do the younger ones. Uh, you know, afterwards, but for the older adults, how often do you come across people who are like, you know, willing to be open to learning and just kind of changing their behaviors or just getting that help? Um, you said like a percentage? Yeah, if you had to give it like a percentage. Like 40%. Like 40% willing. Yeah. Like 40% so, and that, people I say. So a little less than half. Mm. And then for the older ones that are like, you know, stubborn, maybe stuck in their ways, what was like the challenges dealing with them as far as um, uh, their behavior issues, like things that you saw in their like patterns of behavior that you think like, oh, like, you know, I could see the issue, like, but, you know, what can you do about it? But you see those kind of common occurrences of behavior that's happening with the more of the stubborn kind of like stuck in their ways, you know, adults. Um, particularly for our people. Anger management. <laughs> oh, anger. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. All yeah. anger management. All black people. I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. I get mad and then I break stuff and I'm like, all right, <laughs> write it down for other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. They usually have a more formal diagnosis of like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder and they want to like mm -hmm. decrease hallucinations hearing voices so it's not really changing behavior mm. they want to change symptoms so mm. with our people we want to change how we respond to certain things 
with mm-hmm. other people. <laughs> they want to change how their diagnosis affects their behaviors, which is impossible to do. I can't mm-hmm. change your diagnosis. You have to change yeah. how your diagnosis affects you, but that's never what they want to do. Mm, okay. And then, you know, same question with the younger, um, you know, audience that you like to, you know, work with. What are, mm-hmm. be- what are the common, like, behavior issues that you hear often with, like, the younger adults or even kids? Uh, kids, it's usually anxiety, depression. Mm, okay. You get anger management every then, every now and again with children, but usually, mm-hmm. like, depression and anxiety. And mm. more recent, it's been a lot of anxiety around police, um, death and grief, because a lot of people are dying from COVID. A lot of people mm. with the police brutality that has always been going on, but is now on TV mm. more. A lot of kids, little kids, like kindergarten kids, have been coming to me about that. Mm-hmm. How to okay. feel better when they're scared in those situations. Mm, and then how is it with their relationships to, or if you, you know, if you, if you got into that, like their relationship with their parents, have they talked mm-hmm. about how it is from like, you know, their parents being involved or maybe not being involved in their like issues when it comes to depression, anxiety, at least the, the brutality or whatever the case may be, or what's that relationship? Do they talk to you about that? Or do you, and do you have those interactions with their parents when they're trying to interact with their, you know, kids or like young adults and things of that nature? Um, I'm gonna say sometimes the thing mm. about kids and law enforcement, particularly with like black babies, um, mm-hmm. they, I think kids kind of know there's certain things that they don't want to tell professionals that could get their parents in trouble. Mm. Even though sometimes when things happen with law enforcement, like I know it's not always the parents saw it. Sometimes things happen when you're mm. black and alive. However, kids don't always know that. So sometimes they're very careful on what they say and how they share things. Um, mm-hmm. And I I think they don't know how to tell their parents that they're scared about these things because the parents are trying their best to guard their children from these things. But kids mm-hmm. see a lot more than parents realize they see. Mm. And uh, another thing that you brought up that kind of like was piquing my curiosity is that I see when I was doing my research, the comparison of behavior analysis and a therapist, is it pretty much like coincide or the same thing? Because like, if that's the case, then why not just be like, you know, called a therapist or anything like that? What was mm-hmm. the distinction, you know? So right now I'm working at, at, at a dual capacity as a counselor and as a behavior analyst, but usually, mm-hmm. um, I don't, not to say that I don't care about the the feelings behind the behaviors, but I isolate the behaviors from the person. A counselor, mm-hmm. a counselor is kind of more comprehensive. They kind of look at, a, well, why is he angry? I can't see mm-hmm. why you're angry as a behavior analyst. I just record what you do when you're angry. And then mm-hmm. I kind of give you something you can do instead. If you break things when you're angry, can you do this instead? That'll help you feel better. So mm. you don't have to tell me about what made you angry as a behavior analyst. It, it may mm-hmm. be helpful if that'll make you feel better, but a counselor, you kind of have to prove a little deeper on, well, why are you so angry? Behavior mm. analysts, we don't really, we don't do that part. You just do the behavior. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so 
it's more of like kind of like reporting and like looking up like kind of like bringing up data or statistics based on like I guess a particular environment if he was in a school or a facility or whatever it's like analyzing that you know writing it down documenting it whatever the case may be and then mm-hmm. see if they're willing to come to you about it. So, okay, now you could be open to say, okay, we could, let's see, let's see what's going on and let's see mm-hmm. how we could change or whatever, or redirect that kind of behavior, things like that. And um, another thing that I was curious about is the, um, so I, I want to, you know, break it down. So we start from an individual, you know, level mm-hmm. um, yeah. as far as like behavior. And the thing that I was, you know, curious about, especially with like me growing up as far as my behavior and how much my behavior is rooted in the reflection of other people. Because it's like, how do you, because sometimes I think, how do you uh, break the barrier of like me acting on my own behavior or it being stemmed from somebody else? And I feel like, you know, as babies, when you grow up and things like that, there's always that kind of behavior. It's like, you know, you learn from your parents, you learn from this or whatever. And then, you know, there's that, there's that sort of behavior. And then when you have siblings, you know, involved, you have the older siblings, the younger siblings, you have siblings. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's different, maybe similar or different behaviors as, as far as that is involved. But what are some things that you experience, maybe within yourself, uh, growing up, or you know, from your behavior as in, as in the as an individual that made it feel like, okay, I'm not reenacting something from an external source. So when I analyze behaviors, so I don't really look up like statistics. I kind of mm-hmm. just look up, I gather data on that specific person, on the individual oh, level. Okay. So um, a person comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also another thing. When, when a behavior analyst is involved, they come to me somehow, meaning mm-hmm. like either like in the school system, kids with behavior problems, there's like a caseload or whatever. And then I go and observe or if someone has observed them before, I at least know what I'm looking for, like mm. what kind of behaviors that they did that they, um, excuse me, demonstrate. So mm. as far as I think your question was behaviors that are caused by external forces versus behaviors that come from like within yourself. Yeah. Like, like, kinda, like a good way to like summarize kind of what your question was. Yeah. Like how would like, you know, you, you could probably use your example of how you experience yourself as your behavior that it's like, okay, what makes I's, you know, A's behavior, A's behavior, you know, and not like somebody that I just, you know, looked at somebody's behavior and be like, okay, I'm just, you know, like a copy and paste, or maybe just, I'm just behaving or reenacting based on like my family members, my friends or environment, whatever, like what makes my behavior, you know, like me, you know what I'm saying? So from your experience. Okay. So, okay. So when I analyze behaviors, there's also... Mm -hmm. Uh, we call them antecedents, but they're like precursors. Some of the uh-huh. precursors that I look for are things that you can see. It could be um, some kids get upset when the sorry. Ooh, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't like my up. phone about to die. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I might uh, hook it up to the charger at one point. Um, so. One external thing might just be like the conditions of the room that can make them feel mm. upset or mm. like more times than not, like some behaviors are learned in a sense where mm. I've seen my mom respond this way. So now 
me as a child has learned how to respond that way. Mm-hmm. But that Wait, I, 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 didn't, mean, I, didn't, huh? I didn't I didn't catch up the last it kind of it kind of just blurred out uh or just like cut off uh can you repeat that last part again sorry um yeah one of my friends were trying to call me what I was getting to was um you said like somebody's in a room and they see like the walls or something like that I think you oh said. okay so some yeah. behavior is triggered by the environment itself and then some mm-hmm. behaviors are learned because mm-hmm. you, you you view these things and this is how you learned how to handle certain things. So now you behave that way. What, mm. what makes it your behavior is if there's a pattern. Like like sometimes, like for example, um, when I go out partying with my friends, they got to behave a certain type of way with a certain set of friends that I don't always behave with another set of friends. Or mm. even like code switching. There's a way that we speak at work that we don't mm. speak at home. Mm-hmm. But the essence of how I speak is the same. Mm. So that's kind of like how I like how I view the behavior. Like, mm. yes, some things are learned, but unless it's like a continuous pattern, I'm not mm. ready to say because you had like an isolated incident or mm-hmm. you saw something and repeated it, that, that just mm. becomes overall how you're going to always behave in that situation. Mm. so that's kind of like the distinction the frequency is probably the best way for me to describe it if it happens a lot that's probably how you handle it if it doesn't happen that often then it's probably not your norm Mm. because i was also thinking about like something that's like more conditioned and then you see the habit and like the behavior kind of uh coming to fruition based on how they were conditioned or what they were that they experienced as an individual like uh, for me, in, a, in an example, would be like um, my own individual, I guess, behavior based on my experience as an individual would be uh, as an artist, you know, and, you know, because, I, you know, I, I sketch, I do graphic design, things of that nature. So that would be something that, you know, as an individual artist, I have uh, my own active behavior. Maybe they could be relatable to other people and things like that. That's how I interact with clients, customers, and things like that. And I'll be like, okay, that's my own individual behavior and how I'm treating clients, I'm treating customers, or whatever the case may be, compared to something that's like, you know, external. And then just like, okay, like, you know, I got it from this person. I just got to readjust myself so I don't, it doesn't, it, whether it comes out morally good or right or wrong or whatever the case may be, it's all very situational. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's what I was kind of thinking of, like, maybe in an example like that. But it it, can, it has a, like a lot of nuances, so that could always go into a, like a tricky line or as far as like behavior goes. And then the next thing I was, you know, want to ask you about behavior from a social, you know, place because I think that's more of like the very like influential, influential and like most impactful um, acts of behaviors from the social external lens. And then when I think about examples like like that, it's like social media media, TV, uh, parents, whoever the case may be, of how people's uh, behavior are adjusted by all those external things, especially with social media. So how has your experience, you know, within, within yourself or with kids or, you know, especially kids, because like, or just millennials or people of young, young adult age, or did you see what, when it comes to behavior and how social media has kind of warped their minds or emotion as far as, you know, with yeah, social media, media, TV, things of that nature. Um, with the millennial kids, 
first of all, these kids is wild. These kids <laughs> is wild. Like, it really feel like every generation get more wild than the last. Like, yeah. our parents said we was wild. I'm old enough to have a kid. I don't have any kids yet. So I'm scared for my kids. Like, I don't know what their generation going to look like. But for me, these millennials don't understand time and place for certain behaviors. Like, they Mm -hmm. act the same way on social media as they do in school. Like, we had dress down Mm -hmm. day. They draw (laughs) crop tops, tights. I'm like, y'all tripping. (laughs) Y'all draw. Like, they, like, it's, it's no... Like, um, not, I'm not even going to say a sense of etiquette. It's just like, we knew, like, when you go to grandma's house, grandma's going to talk about my ripped jeans. I'm just going to slide past that, and I'm not going to wear ripped jeans to grandma's house. I'm just not going to do it. These mm-hmm. kids is not that cool. they like, so what? <laughs> like, I'm like, go ahead. Like, go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. Um, And I nice. think it's because we kind of, not that we cared how adults felt, growing up I don't think it's that I just think Mm -hmm. we kind of had a mindset of okay this is school there's rules in school and just to stay out of detention or whatever I'm gonna just wear these jeans because whatever they're not gonna bother me if I wear this these kids want the smoke like they come in and I dare somebody to say something I'm like oh y'all goons y'all gangster in school okay that's fine Mm, yeah because like but um, I don't know if to be like devil's advocate or whatever, because I, I always like to like look at things in perspective. So even though there's a culture of this growing uh, and I may not agree with it, but um, I still open to understanding why is this happening? Is it like the technology? Is it social media? Is it just a change of time? Because when you look at different eras as well, you know, when you grow up, you know, with the parent era, the great, great, the great, great parents or whatever, back in the days, whatever case may be, there's always a different time period of how dress codes, of how looking etiquette or how looking normal looked like for them right. and how it's passed on. So even though I don't agree, like, you know, because it went, it went, you know, to the far reaches of like, you know, boys and dresses and everything. And I was just like, okay, like, that's not my realm of adaptation, but, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because, you know, because it, it's not wrong, especially, you know, when it comes to, I know I'm going to, you know, maybe go a little bit deeper as far as the gender, as far as like, you know, express a boy expressing feminine energy and how, you know, he wants to, and he has a liking to certain things or whatever. That, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, 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 that's okay. But then when you really, try to make a, a really difference of like, okay, I'm just trying to make, I don't know if it's a trendy thing or just trying to make a statement or just trying to be like expressive or whatever the case may be. But I see how a lot of trends is just gets into a lot of kids' head, especially millennials or whoever the case may be. And like, you know, they're just doing it because like, you know, everybody's doing it or something like that, or they're just trying to um, get attention or things like that. So, um, one thing I was I was look I saw in like a TikTok is that how you know ADHD was becoming like a trend, and I feel like ADHD is like a very serious thing, you know, uh, because for some people it's like they take it serious, like they really struggle with like you know if they're in a classroom or they're taking a test or if they're in a room or whatever the case may be, they have ADHD in certain certain circumstances. But then there's other people that be like, oh my gosh, blah blah blah, I just did this, and then I have ADHD, and I'm just like. 
you're making it feel like a trend or a statement. Like you're not, you know, I don't feel like you really have ADHD. You're just making it feel like it's just a popular thing to say. So how's your experience been for like people who take those serious things? You know, like you mentioned before, depression, anxiety, I'm going to add on ADHD, all these other different symptoms and, you know, behaviors and problems that people have. And then to make that, to, to, to know the difference between like, okay, this person really has a problem or this person just using it to like treat it as a trend, like to like, you know, they're not really having a problem with it, but they're just making it seem like, you know, just a, a passing of time, you know? I mean, so the good thing about social media is, is that they're anti-stigmatizing having a diagnosis. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome that now people know it's not just you on the island that has depression, that has anxiety, that has OCD that has mm. schizophrenia. It's not just you mm. by yourself. Mm. The turn time of it is, is that our generation, it was kind of taboo. Like we had, like those kids were isolated. The special ed mm. kids were isolated. The kids mm. that took medicine, they took their medicine real earlier before school. So we didn't even know they were on medicine. Now it's a mm. little more open, which is like the positive part. The mm. downside is, is that kids want to self diagnose themselves <laughs> because of posts yeah. that they read and the yeah. truth of the matter is a lot of posts on social media are not written by professionals I don't write any posts on social media I don't have time to so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure most of these posts are not from real therapists they're from people who maybe done a little bit of research maybe they're kind of mm-hmm. well versed in what it is and mm-hmm. they write things that sound good like, one thing I hear all the time is, I'm so OCD. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. There's one thing about having OCD and wanting things to be clean. <laughs> There's one thing about having OCD and wanting to keep your hair cut or wanting to keep your hair done. It doesn't mean you have OCD. OCD mm-hmm. is horrible. If you watch videos on YouTube of a real person that has OCD, like, mm-hmm. they'll drink a cup and they'll do this because they're trying to relocate the last spot that they put the cup. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. real OCD. Not, yeah. not, oh my God, who messed up my pillows? You just want your pillows a specific way. It doesn't mean you have OCD, but it sounds yeah. cute. <laughs> you know, yeah, three letters, I, it's catchy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And because I've seen it with the same with depression. Like depression is like one of the serious um, things. I've, I've suffered depression um, during the time of being an artist and losing weight. And I was in the hospital and everything like that. And mm-hmm. to regain myself out of that. And some people have different phases. Some people, it lasts a lifetime for them. So mm-hmm. when I see these things, people are like, um, I think like, okay, like, do you, are you taking real thought and time and consideration for those who actually are suffering from it? Like, cause I think a lot of times, like we're so quick to get into something or so, so quick to like put something for maybe a view or whatever the case would be. I don't know what, the, what it's like in their mind, but it's just so quick in nature and then one of the things i was discussing with my friends is that like with social media one of the 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 kinds of social media is how how much access we have to too many people and too many things and too many situations and um i don't know you could could probably elaborate your experience with that because i feel like even you know and not not to take a little bit off topic but when it comes to like dating or relationships or friendship or whatever like having too many access to too many people around the world and seeing too many problems. So there's so many problems in the world. You cannot solve them all and everything like that. Everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own path. But 
that's one of the, the things that I, that's why I brought up about social media, about somebody who was posting about ADHD. Like I see it almost every post about it. Cause you know, when you, the algorithm, once you like something, it, it'll kind of reshow you a lot of those things and a lot of those problems. So what are like, what's your experience as far as like, um, I guess the social media space when it comes to um, other problems and things like that, even for yourself, like, um, uh, when it, when it comes to like behaviors that you experiences when it comes to social media and how you try to like maybe take uh find that balance of like not being too much into the access of what's all going on and like just taking the time to be like okay look, I need a break I need to readjust myself reevaluate myself um so this is so from a from a professional from a professional standpoint well number one even though I'm really good at what I do I'm not always that great of applying it to myself <laughs> and I give amazing advice to my friends yeah. but for myself not always so much and that's just mm-hmm. the essence of being human and being a person but I think mm-hmm. the distinction between like you kind of have to pick your battles Mm. It's kind of like how how it works. Like um, uh, me being like in the humanitarian field, like I've tried different mm-hmm. things and kind of like found out that behavior analysts was something that I liked and I was also really good at it. But I tried mm-hmm. other things first. Like I, okay. I did counseling for a while. I did do, mm-hmm. um, I worked in foster care for two years and that was mm-hmm. something that I realized I, I can't do that. I was really good at it. <laughs> But working in foster care, it, it exposes you to a, a whole lot of different types of traumas and a whole lot of problems. And mm-hmm. like you said, you can't you can't solve all of them as much as you try to and would like to. So mm-hmm. um, you kind of almost have to like plan it, like how people do affirmations a day or when they mm-hmm. have little wins. That's really how same thing with mental health. So you make like mm-hmm. little wins. So it. Mm-hmm social media and I, I see certain things um, like not not too often but every once in a while if it's someone who who like kind of asks for resources like I'm comfortable reaching out because I know like working in the field like certain resources I can offer to people so that's something mm-hmm. like small that I can do to help you get some people they want fair they want therapy for free because I put that I'm a <laughs> behavior specialist in my bio that's yeah. where I draw the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you free counseling. I just, no. it's going to take more than a Zoom session or two or three conversations to mm-hmm. make you feel better. And mm-hmm. another thing about mental health is that mental health is hard. It's hard. I think people discredit mm-hmm. how much hard work that clients do in order to and I don't, I don't like saying feel better I say getting to a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. like getting to a sense mm-hmm. of being functional because you're mm-hmm. not always going to feel better but at least yeah. now you're working at least now you, you're singing in the shower you might not feel better it still hurts but at least now you're not stuck in this rut of not doing any of the things that you used to enjoy doing mm-hmm. so but a lot of people always like, I, I feel like shit, can you make me feel better? And I'm like, honestly, sis, sometimes I feel like shit. Can you help me feel better? <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not that simple. 
Yeah, because another thing that I thought about is I'll be having conversations with like my close friends, and I feel like Mm -hmm. for for me, this is my my personal opinion. You know, somebody can take it any way they want, but this is my personal opinion. Like, I don't feel it's normal to be happy all the time. Like, for me, I don't think it's normal to be happy all the time because I feel like people always trying to reach or strive to a certain point. Like, I want to be happy. I want to have this ideal place or ideal person in mind or whatever the case would be. I want to be stable. And it like, yeah, I want to be stable. Don't get it wrong. Like, but there has to be a balance. Like, you know, as long as I'm balanced and I'm have a a stable well-being, then I'm okay. Because regardless if I have a drought or I'm having a bad day or whatever the case would be, I could still pick myself up in a stable mindset. You know, I'm not going to leave myself in a drought. I'm not going to, you know, behave myself in a certain way and continue those patterns and things like that. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to analyze. I'm going to whatever the case might be so that I could be able to go back out functional, you know. Mm-hmm. So what you could probably share some experience. What 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 are some habits within your life that you feel that makes helps you become, you know, functional and stable? You know, for me, an example would be like, you know, I like to watch anime or I like to uh, watch a Netflix show or something. Or maybe um, I watch some YouTube videos because I'm, I'm, I'm always keen to like learning. I love to learn. I love to learn about myself. I like to learn love about other people. So those things will help me relax. You know, maybe a good food, you know, give me a good slap of food, a plate of food. I'll, I'll be good. You know what I'm saying? So what are some mm-hmm. things that you um, behave or analyze within yourself to keep you in a functional state of mind well I know for me I'm kind of a workaholic I never peaked it until like mm. I had a conversation with my mom and she was like she was like you know you always she's like I don't know why but when you do multiple things you always seem to find more time with less time like in mm. college all through college I had a full-time job and then went to school full-time and then at one point I had three jobs and I somehow got everything done with the three jobs. I was tired, mm-hmm. but everything got done. So yeah. I've learned to do nothing sometimes. <laughs> I have learned to do nothing. There's actually a really dope Instagram page. This is just a free plug. It's called the the Nap Ministry. And it's mm-hmm. about I think it's I think it's also ran by a black woman, I wanna say. But mm-hmm. she says particularly with black people we make accomplishment productivity and rest is just as productive. And I was like, yo, it really is because I felt, you know what I'm saying? I was like, there's productivity and rest. So I have learned sometimes like, I don't always have to be on go. I don't always have to accomplish all 10 things on my to-do list. Even if there's three things on your to-do list and you do just one, that's Mm -hmm. okay. So I've learned yeah. that there is productivity and rest. So sometimes mm-hmm. I love anime also. I will kick back. I will <laughs> make me some ice water and just watch anime. Or mm-hmm. for me, it's productive when I cook. Because sometimes it's so easy to just order takeout because steaming yeah. and cooking. And yeah, so like I was, I would say small ones. Like mm-hmm. the small ones, I'll give like small goals for myself and yeah. I let myself know it's okay if I don't accomplish all those goals because yeah. I feel like especially with black people because we always got to be at a thousand percent to be seen as 80 percent we always yeah. feel like we have to overperform 
and that we don't deserve to chill. And sometimes you can chill. It's okay. Because mm-hmm. yeah. even if you even if you bust your ass from nine in the morning to ten o'clock at night, I mean, did you really accomplish that much more in the two hours that you could have just chilled mm-hmm. for a second when you really needed to? Usually mm-hmm. not. Even if you Uber for them two hours, like was the money really worth it, dog? That forty dollars? Mm-hmm. Like, no, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that's what I tell myself. I'm like, I need to sit my black ass down. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny you say that because I, I even probably would consider myself a workaholic because I my first job was at high school. And the high school that I went to, um, it wasn't like they had any job or anything. I actually opened an opportunity for, for students to work. And so I was the first worker at my high school. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, uh, you know, it, that's that's pretty dope. You know, so when I got my first paycheck, I was just like, you know, <laughs> so um, I was just like, but, you know, I, obviously when you're a young person, you see your first paycheck, you know, money, any any good money is, is you know, for a young person, that's like a lot for them. So from that on, from, th- from there on, I was just like, you know, I got a, after that, when I, you know, graduated, I, I was trying to look for a job. I was just like, if I'm not working, I got to do something. So if I'm not working, I'm doing artwork, I'm doing like a, like a side hustle to make money or something like that. And I'll, every year I was always, always on go. I was just like doing something, doing something on top of being on school full time mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or sometimes part time and then switching to full time and then doing work full time. And I'm just like, damn. And like, I didn't even care. Like I would sacrifice sleep if I had to get something done. You know, mm-hmm. if I had to take three hours, two hours of sleep or whatever, and I go back and then my friends and people will be like, yo, like, did you get enough sleep? Did you like, you know, you know. Of course you uh, did. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm good. And I, of course I wasn't good. But then, so I could relate to that as far as like always being on go and then like learning how to rest, learning how to take time to yourself. And like one thing that I, I appreciated during my time was appreciating my alone time because I always felt like I had to go outside, I had to hang out with friends, I had to do something. So if I'm not working or anything, I have to do something. So, and then some people will kind of would tell me that it was more of like a trauma response of always having to work. I forgot what there was a mm. word for it, like you know, of like you know always working and feeling like you need to feel something in your life to do something. And I was just like, wow. So I was just like, I had to like sit back and reflect on that. I was just like, yo, why am I going so hard? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but not to like take it off a tangent of the the, the topic. Um, the other thing that, wait, let me see what, how, how many times we have left. Uh, we have about good, maybe 10, 15 minutes left. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask was, um, uh, it was a little bit more of a, a prerequisite of that because of uh, being a behavior analyst is like, because you, 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 you kind of dabbled into it a little bit earlier for like, you wasn't well yourself. You're not like fully like, you know, there, but you're giving advice and things like that to help other people mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So what was like that process like of like, did you have to be at a certain level of, you know, are you okay mentally? Of course, like, you know, you don't have no history or any, any drug history or anything. I don't know what it is, but like, did you had to like go through that sort of process to be at least well, of course, because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right. But to be well balanced off to getting to behavior analysts or was it just like, oh, you just do the course, you just do this or whatever. And then boom, you're a behavior analyst. 
No, it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> it yeah. takes a lot. It takes a lot of patience. Um, and particularly for me, which is another reason. Hey, I, it froze up. Then die on me. Can you still can you see oh, okay. me again? Okay. Yeah. yeah I just okay. got my phone charging up. So okay. um the first thing is you have to separate your stuff from everyone else's stuff is the first mm. thing. Because we all have stuff. Um yeah. I would say generally speaking, I'm probably a relatively healthy person psychologically I think but um and I say that to say like I'm functional like um I have done therapy and stuff before I was like successfully discharged whatever that means meaning that I acquired skills where I no longer have to sit with a counselor and a therapist to help me accomplish these goals for me to feel more functional and feel more normal again and I do a good job of when I go into that place where I feel anxious or I feel depressed, I can go back into that tool set that I've learned mm-hmm. in therapy and apply it. And okay. that's and that's really how like any type of like mental health system works is that you're going to have your good and your bad days. It's just you got to mm-hmm. know how to handle your bad days when they come. Mm-hmm. So when I come in and I do a job and I want to help somebody even if it's a bad day, because sometimes I have to work on a bad day. I separate mm-hmm. my stuff. I go back into my tool belt of what I know works for me. I do mm-hmm. that. And then I prepare myself to go in so I can help somebody else. Or some mm-hmm. days, if it's really bad, I'll take a day off. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's productivity and rest. How helpful am I going to be if I'm having my own PTSD episode or whatever from my own trauma that mm-hmm. now I'm helping another kid who has their own trauma and they're having tantrums and they're being aggressive. I'm mm-hmm. not equipped to help them today, but tomorrow mm-hmm. could be a better day. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. another thing that I I was thinking about too is just like you know, especially with you know, I'm bringing back social media again. Is that a lot of people give advice? A lot of people just like want to give out a helping hand, but it wasn't asked for. Did you find <laughs> I like how that was phrased. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't minding their business. Yes, yes. Yeah, they yes. Okay. Yes. You said, do you need help? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but um Yeah, so um but I, I was saying yes and sarcastically, but um so when you have conversations with friends or anything like that, do you do you see like do you do you find yourself in a position of like helping people, but they never ask for it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's not me. I mind my business. Actually, my friends would be like, "Can I have a therapist?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> no, like, yeah." So, so sometimes my my friends are really good though. My friends are really good at setting mm-hmm. boundaries, so yeah. they'll let me know, like, "Hey, sis, like." I think I need the counselor today. Like, are you in that mood to be my counselor today? So they, they are, they are understanding of sometimes when I clock out, I don't feel like it. I don't want to be nobody counselor today, mm. but they'll yeah. ask me. So, but no, do I offer it? Mm. Okay. 
And because uh, another situation that uh, I, I, I kind of run in often because my job, I run into a lot of like residents and people. So they come to me like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I have this energy from, from their eyes looking at me is that um, I'm a venting session or like they could tell me like their darkest things. And like, because. What's your sign, by the way? Not that it's. Oh, saying, man. Not curious. the astrology. <laughs> not the astrology. Damn. I'm curious. Uh, and you know it's funny because my um I'm gonna tell you in a second, but in my uh the next Friday's my podcast episode is gonna be astrology. So if you wanna if you wanna hop in on that, you can. You're more than welcome. But uh, and then but because my co-host been like you know I have two female co-hosts and then be like they're deep into astrology. It's like yeah we had to have an episode about it. I was just like man and my me and my other um, boys my my two other uh co-host guys has been like y'all was like man come on but we gotta do it for you know for the entertainment and content you know yeah, sake anyway yeah, so we'll, you know, you know we'll, ladies we'll get night. <laughs> you said ladies night i'm weak um, um because i i want to tap in more into the modernization of astrology and not the core essence of astrology, because I feel like you know, um, astrology okay. has taken the turn it's making, to. It's making money. I don't know what, yeah. it is, but some crystal yeah. gem people they making guap now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. You, um, you know, people follow my podcast, the Blackfield Podcast. Stay tuned for that. Um, okay. But um, the other thing I want to, because I was thinking about, it, like, yeah, people come to me and like they're very open to like a lot of their dark and previous stuff or whatever, and they 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 feel that I'm very trustworthy. I'm a very trustworthy person, so I don't like tell people's business out there like that, or whatever the case may be. And I'm just like, okay, like whatever. And there's times where like. I don't know, somebody's behavior or, or approach to somebody is not like, uh, how lack of a better word, respectful. Like, cause like I could be chilling and, you know, just mind my business. And then I don't know, it's just like, yo, James, you know, I, I got to talk to you, da, 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 whatever. But they don't take the time and consideration to like, you know, boundaries or space or just be like, you know, or at least ask me like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Whatever, things like that. Because how behavior is very selfish but it's not considerate or selfless to the other person or privy to the other person. So have you experienced that yourself as far as like behavior that's re or enacted or acted out in a more selfish term and selfish way? Because I feel like a lot of things we do as, you know, humans are selfish. Like there's some act that's selfish, it's okay, whatever. But, you know, do you see more of the current of selfish behavioral act compared to selfless behavioral act? Um, I mean, honestly, not to be cynical, but most behaviors happen because you benefit from them. Even things mm-hmm. that you do from a humanitarian approach. Like, mm-hmm. so the way that behavior works is there's a, so antecedent, what happens before the behavior, the behavior, and then the consequence, what happens after. Mm-hmm. Most people get some type of reward from their from their behavior, which is why they keep yeah. doing it. Like, have yeah. you been watching that show Euphoria? Yeah, no, I've been people talking about it, but I heard it's a, it's a wild show. But, it's a wild know. show, but yeah. the 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 main character is is a drug addict, and mm. the reason why she keeps doing drugs is that she benefits from it. Even like even though she's low key like a horrible person in the show, like she she's low key horrible, but like that's kind of like how behavior works. So. Mm. even though like looking at the behavior like oh well, that was really nice like 
Like, um, that little boy gave that homeless person a dollar. What did the homeless person do? Probably said, thank you. Like, you're going to be president, young man. He'll probably continue to give homeless people dollars if they mm-hmm. give him a compliment. Mm-hmm. And then that one day he meets that butthole homeless person that's like, man, fuck, you gave me just a dollar. I saw you had a 20. He probably not going to give no more dollars away for a while. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a time where the consequence of that behavior wasn't ideal. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't get a he didn't get a, a thank you. He didn't get mm-hmm. a compliment. He was mm-hmm. actually chastised and said, Oh, you guys a dollar? I'm the one that's homeless and I got more than a dollar. You right. not. So honestly, most behavior is, is, is has comes from a place of some selfishness. Yeah. Honestly. Not yeah. to say that most people are, are, are bad, but most people yeah. do things because they benefit. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I could understand that as far as, like, if that's how you was raised in condition, that looks normal to you. So you don't see a, a, a wrong to it. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, a reward system or whatever. It's like if, if a kid gets keep rewarded, they're going to they're gonna expect yeah. it. And then, but I think there's a dangerous line of expectation of how you was conditioned in whatever behavioral situations that you're facing. So, mm-hmm. like, you know... Uh, one thing that I see or or no, I hear maybe with kids and you know education systems is how often they get rewarded, and I'm just like, all right, so, but that's not always conducive to reality until they have something that ha- happens to them, self conscious, you know, they have that self awareness of like, oh, like, you know, damn, I, I didn't know it was like this, and then now I got to change my behavior, or um, you know, they grow up in like, you know, if that's their surroundings or that's how they, they see things and it's normal to them, then especially if they have friends or, or you know, people in their environment, then it's like, okay, like, I guess it's normal and there's nothing wrong with it. So I think that, you know, sometimes I, I look at these situations because I'm like I said, I'm a person of perspective is that when do they have that self-awareness where it's just like it's not so conditioned and I can act off my own will of you know my own behaviors that's like okay i can make my own distinctions i can make this like you know i, I can't always i don't have to always give a dollar or i don't always have to like expect an award or something like that so that's why i kind of look at things like that when you know the same person that's venting to me it's like when do you have the self-awareness to be like okay at least look at body language or something because sometimes i'll be making a face like oh my gosh like what do you want you know what i'm saying and <laughs> And then, like, they don't look at that. They don't look at that. So I'm just like, you know, but, you know, that's just something that maybe I'm just venting myself a little bit. But just that's something that I see as far as, like, not oftentimes that people have that self-awareness to, to see that their acts are conditioned. Because I grew up, you know, with, you know, trauma and everything in my house. And then I had to realize at some point my behaviors, whether if I'm in a relationship or a friendship, it's like, it's not looking good. And then somebody had to tell me on myself to be like, yo, like, James, like, this is not good. I'm just like, word? I, I thought this was pretty normal. Or I didn't know that I was acting or behaving in such a way that was um, detrimental to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you have any further thoughts on that, but that's something that I had to, like, had that realization that I didn't want to be so conditioned in my behavior that I could have the self-awareness and be conscious enough to say, okay, I can make my own choice. I can behave in a way according to my own circumstances. You know? So like in the... All right. So how I uh, do behavior is if you do a reward system like you're talking about, Mm -hmm. 
like you said, that's not conducive to real life. Sometimes you have to do things and you got to just suck it up and do it because it's got to mm. get done. No one else is going to do it for you. Um, mm. There's something called fading where mm. working backwards, if the, and this is where like frequency and metrics are important. If this kid's used to getting five pieces of candy every Friday, mm. we're going to make him wait until Saturday for four pieces of candy. So you're mm. decrease, you're increasing how long it takes for him to receive the reward and you're decreasing how much of a reward that he's getting. And then you're mm. still pairing that with something that he can continue to get until you get them to a point where it might take a month, it might take two weeks, where now he's down to... He has to wait two weeks to get one piece of candy. At one mm. point, he's not going to need the one piece of candy anymore. I'm just, uh, I, I don't know. This is a little funny joke, but I'm just like, damn, am I a dog? Like, you know, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> We're all dogs. Yeah, so that's funny. But um, uh, to answer your question, uh, my birthday is 420. I'm an Aries. So, um, yeah. You know. <laughs> Man, you, you just gave the you just, you just gave it like a little like a little eye like you know like what? <laughs> that's a dangerous sign, bro. Wow, man, I'm 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 a balanced dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, Aries, Aries are dope. You're dope. That's fine, man. but <laughs> man, man, I feel. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty chill. I could be an asshole sometimes, but not like in a good friend way. But I don't know, but. Um, so you're not keeping your own behavior it's like no it's okay nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so yeah that's just the uh, I want to conclude that episode with that so uh, the last segment that I, was to, that I do to conclude the episode is it's called a dose of reality so what kind of uh, I don't like to call it advice but just based on the reality of the situation that you uh, experienced being a behavior analysis what would you like to share uh, to the viewers and the listeners uh, based on uh, you know behavior analysis um if you want to get into it you will you will eventually get paid (laughs) 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 however it's a humanitarian field you really have to like people Mm -hmm. to a certain degree you Mm -hmm. do want to help people to a certain degree it's in my opinion i don't like doctors that that aren't nurturers so that's kind of like the same way that I view being like a behavior analyst. Like adults, I don't tolerate it. But with kids, sometimes I be getting beat up by kids. Like I get kicked in my shin sometimes because during these these tantrums, you have to you have to you have to see the duration. I have to let the behavior happen. Of course, mm-hmm. keeping people safe, but I gotta prioritize the other babies over myself. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'm saving the other babies, but. I be getting I be getting beat up some days. And the next day I come back and that kid be like, I'm so sorry, Miss Aisha. And I'll be like, No, you got me good, young boy. <laughs> you have to you really have to just take it for what it is and not take it personal. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. I don't take anything personal. Mm-hmm. I have learned to with the humanitarian field, you have to leave certain things at work and don't mm-hmm. take it home with you. Because mm-hmm. you got to let others, other people's stuff be their stuff. Mm-hmm. And you always still got your own stuff. And your own stuff is always going to keep you busy. Mm-hmm. So not to say that it's a it's a job and you clock in and you clock out of it. Some things are going to unsettle you and, and stay with you. But mm-hmm. 
you still have to you yourself remain functional in order to help people so Mm. my dose of reality would be it is okay to need help i am a person who has done therapy herself i have been through trauma and not as a kid i had an amazing childhood i went through trauma as a fully functional adult and had to go through pair go through therapy was on antidepressants and like i said i'm a i'm a relatively healthy human being Mm -hmm. uh both spiritually emotionally and all that and i still went through something that needed help to get through it so Mm -hmm. not to say like i'm i'm the shit but i feel like i'm the shit so even people who are the shit you gonna go through some shit (laughs) and that's okay and i think that um particularly as black people we have to take advantage of the resources that we have and we need more people like us in this field to help us if y'all feel Mm -hmm. where i'm coming from so -hmm. you have so many people who are anti-therapy and then you got a person who doesn't understand your culture who's trying to coach you through some things and some of your traumas related to your culture Mm. so not to say that black therapists treat us better but they at least kind of understand where you're coming from Mm. so that's probably one thing like uh recently like i said i have a lot of babies who have the a fear of the police mm-hmm. and that's not in no textbooks that i ever went through at temple and temple is a black college it's in north philly <laughs> oh wow it's yeah. not yeah it's, it's it's no section on how to help kids not be fearful of law enforcement or people who are supposed to help you but have a history of hurting their parents like the one girl told me a very traumatizing story how she watched this cop beat up her father and then lock him up Mm. in their house and the mom tried to shield her and take her upstairs the police said don't move and this was a trauma that she has dealt with and she didn't Mm -hmm. even know how to tell her mom that she was traumatized by that event because she was young she was like four when it happened but she still remembers the trauma Mm. so only bring up that story to say that we need more of us to help us. So if more mm. people are interested of even just like hopping on a suicide hotline and whatever every now and again, it would mm. make a difference. Yeah. It would make and a that, difference. Something that I thought about too is the uh, sort of the parent-child dynamic too. Sometimes a lot of parents are pouring their, child, their problems onto their child as if they were adults. You know, so and an adult have to grow. I mean, the, the children have to grow up a lot quicker, you know, yeah. trying to conceptualize or understand the problem and what's going on and things like that. So they, they end up growing a lot faster. Uh, yeah, the, the person in the comment. Yeah. So a lot of people have to grow up a lot faster. Like me, I had to grow up a lot faster than I, I needed to be. There was some good, you know, pros and cons to it, but. Um, uh, it took me a while because sometimes that trauma and everything is very long lasting. And then people don't realize it until later in their uh, young adult lives or later in adult lives, where just like now it's becoming more effective and detrimental, not to themselves, but other people surrounding them as well. So I feel like people got to be very careful of, uh, you know, getting that help because, you know, like you said, with, you know, people of our skin color, everything like that, like I agree with you, but to an extent, that it still has to be to the right people because I don't always believe in every profession is out for your best interest, even with people of our own 
you know, yeah. skin tone or everything like that. Because sometimes people are just lost in the system. They try to make a quick buck. They try to make money off of it. You know, they just, even or just trying to make a living, or they have to just abide by the rules and policies. So I get that. So a part of me is like, how how deep are you in a, in a system that's really trying to help you? Or are you just in a system that's just trying to like loop you in a, in a, a monopoly capitalistic, you know, role and, you know, teaching you these methods? Because there's there's certain professions where you get too locked into their study, but then you don't you don't separate the study from the reality. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, like, you know, if you're a doctor, like, oh, I prescribe you this medicine. I keep prescribing you the medicine. But, you know, if people really understand what medicine is when you're sick, it's just to keep you back looping into the medicine to make the profit. Instead of saying like, what are some natural holistic ways that I could build myself healthy in a more stable well-being or state of mind that I don't have mm-hmm. to keep going back for that medicine. Because I remember when uh, there, was a, there was this old lady at my job, she was telling me about how she had to, she had to get away from her family doctor because she kept prescri- he kept prescribing her this medicine and it wasn't doing anything. And she was this, this doctor for a long time, for years. So you think that you built this trust and commodity and whatever with this, this family doctor. And then when she switched over to another doctor, he gave her a less prescribed medicine and she became a lot better. So just having that realization, too, with with some professions, you got to be careful, because as much as I'm for for black people striving and working together and things like that. And trust me, I inform my black people, my, my you know, the black kings and queens and everybody out there. But be careful of what type of field and are they actually helping? Are they nurturing to your well-being? Or they're just more of just into the loop of the system because of how much they're caught up in just making a profit and just making a living. So, but there's nothing wrong with making a living. You know, you do what you got to do. You know, everybody, yeah. you know, everybody's trying to make a living. We've got bills to pay. I understand all that. But if, but me, um, I'm I'm not for medicine. I had to stay away from medicine. I had to look for different routes and natural remedies and things like that for me to get better. And that worked for me. So I, I'm only speaking from my experience. I don't know people's other conditions. So that's just to kind of like tag along a little bit to what you were saying about the professions as far as like our own people, because I'm I'm all for about the, you know, the growth about, you know, black individuals and black community and leaders and things of that nature. But this concludes this podcast segment. I'd like to thank our special guest, Aisha, Aisha, A. You know, Asia, Asia, Asia. Because uh, yeah. I, 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 I remember when you were telling me, like, just go by the nickname A. So I was just like, A, you know. So I was just A. like, that's what it, <laughs> it, it was. Works, it's catchy. People never yeah. say it wrong. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. People say my name wrong. I just correct no. it. No, that's how you learn. <laughs> now, because like even with me, because my last I'm Nigerian of descendant. So when I, I don't like bother people telling me my last name. My last name is Anawai. And people say, I know where, or no, they always say different. I'm just like, oh, you know, it, it's cool. Just, just call me by my nickname or whatever, things like that. But um, yes, uh, I appreciate you being here, um, sharing your thoughts and your experience about behavior analysis and how it's effective to, especially with people in the Black community from an individual level and also from a social level and things like that. But um, anything that you'd like to share or anything that you want to like shout out or anything like that? No, not particularly. Just like um, mental health is just as important as our bodies, our spirit, um, our whole beings are connected. So Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're in a rut, 
it mm-hmm. it might be something else going on. I just want to just like really encourage people to listen to themselves. And I think the best form of therapy, if you're not ready to get into therapy, is to rest. Listen yeah. to your body and find something within your rest that soothes you and helps you feel better or helps yeah. you feel more normal. And yeah. that's just a yeah, little tidbit to wrap it all up. Yeah, no, no, no. so uh, make sure you follow my podcast at the Black Pill Podcast. Uh, we have more episodes, more content coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Follow my page. It's on my bio. So make sure you click that. Follow our, on our social media. We're also on YouTube. So you'll see more content on YouTube drop, uh, as well as my other co-hosts and things like that. So, uh, yeah, make sure you support. If you want to be a guest, you want to be a special guest on my podcast, you can hit me up personally or you can hit up my podcast page. Um, and, you know, you can tell us your thoughts if, if, or any topic that you want to bring up, especially that, you know, circulating around Black culture, black the Black community, or even the Black individual. I'm open to listening and sharing that to your platform. And also, if you have a business or brand or anything, you know, I'll plug that in. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about helping people out like that. So, and I'm very, I'm one of those genuine supporters. You know, you can ask my close friends. Like, I, I like to shout people out. I love to... For black creators to have a platform that so they could people could speak on, people could listen on, and things of that nature. So make sure you follow uh, my podcast at the Black Pill Podcast. Uh, I am your host OBJ. You can follow me on Instagram at t h e o b i j a y, and um, make sure you find uh, follow a. And you know, if you want to, I don't know. Mine's is longer to spell. It's up. It's up there though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, the the live will be saved on my page. So for for the time being, so y'all can make sure y'all follow her, support her. Uh, if you want to, you don't do like a booking thing, do you? Or are you just a? Are you more of a? Um, how do you say it? like a a private thing? Like not like a booking person? Like you know how people will book therapists or things like that. Oh, so I do. I do work for an agency, so oh, okay. I don't have my own private practice yet. That's not oh, okay, okay. But if people want to reach out to me for like for resources and guidance on um, agencies that I think are are good, they can definitely reach out to me about stuff like that. Or if they just have questions about being a little anxious about therapy, or they don't think it's effective, you can also reach out to me about stuff like that too. Okay, yeah, so make sure you, you reach out to her and, uh, you know, yeah, and follow us on the platform, you know what I'm saying? But that concludes this episode of the Blackfoot Podcast. I am your host, OBJ, and I'm joined in by... Astrology. Hey, don't, 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 don't. Hey. So, um, I hope y'all have a good night and peace out. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.